Hi, and welcome to episode 116 of No Crying in Baseball, the How About Those Patriots episode. <laughs> Ouch. My name's Ouch. Patty. I'm here with my sad, sad friend, Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Sorry, but it needed to be done. <laughs> it, totally. I don't blame you. I don't blame the rest of the country outside of New England that hates the Patriots. You know, just know, folks, that I'm old, and I suffered through the pre-2000, that whole last century. I'm a Browns fan. Yeah, I give okay. no fucks yeah, for this. Yeah, That's yeah. Right. No, you totally, yeah. you totally win that battle. Yeah, okay. But I was at a bar last night, sort of watching the game and listening to everybody else cheer. So it's is it almost baseball season? Well, you'll tell us that in about half an hour, I'm guessing. Yeah. But I'm feeling like it is. Stay tuned. On today's show, we award our very first asshole of the year award to Domingo Herman. The Yankees are cleaning up that mess, plus the mess with all the injuries they had last year. And I'm a little scared about that because, God, what's going to happen next? We have officially added wild boars to our preventable player injury list. We have new boyfriends on the White Sox and on the Giants. We've got a women's baseball spotlight on player Jasmine Rivera. We're going to vocabulary this week on wins above replacement and winter baseball. Hey, you know what? Before you go into this Asshole of the Year award, I'm going to open a beer called Mass Soul. That seems right, doesn't it? That seems thematic. Sure. Okay. Sure. Doing it. Doing it. All right. And and just to rub in that Patriots thing a little bit more. That that That's beer just is bonus. Yeah, that beer is from Massachusetts, the great state. So I was I was actually contemplating the name of this award because I was thinking asshole is a little bit overused. I was wondering if we should go for douchebag, fuckface. There were there were like a lot of other names that I thought. I don't feel comfortable saying those words out loud, but asshole, I'm here for. You, you have I a can hard say time that. With it though. I but I've, I've adjusted. Okay, I can do that. So we can say Domingo Herman, and we talked about when he was suspended last season because of a domestic violence incident that was witnessed, and I think that that was the part that made it so shocking to a lot of people that and no charges were or have been pressed. This was the one that there were all kinds of conflicting reports because mm-hmm. it was at the at the CC Sabathia thing. And was it at home? Was it at the awards thing? Who saw it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then if, if he slapped her in public, what has happened before in private kind of thing? And if he did it in private and no one heard it, did it really happen? Right. Yeah. Oof. So there's a lot of really shitty things about this. You know, basically, he's, he's definitely on our never going to be a boyfriend list. He is being suspended. Suspended 81 games without pay, but this includes the 18 that he, he actually served 19. So I'm not sure about the math here, but it includes a bunch that he served last year. So he only has to miss 63, which is still a lot of the season for 2020. But he's still on that Yankees roster, and there sure it looks is. like they're planning on him. So fuck y'all. Um, this is actually the longest suspension for domestic violence for somebody who wasn't formally charged. So I think it's fourth longest to- complete, and I don't remember the other three, but it's the longest for somebody who doesn't have actual police charges against him. Can I say, I really appreciate that MLB will go there and they won't just say, well, if there's not actual, you know, legal charges filed, it didn't really happen. So I feel good about that. Right. There's a lot we don't know, right? What we do know is that he's not appealing. And Sports Illustrated, I'll put that link in our show notes, or you'll put that link in our show (laughs) notes. Yes, I will. Uh, Thank you very much for that. They had a great article where they were wondering why, or, or, you know, having some conjecture about why he didn't appeal. And one is, all right, he's guilty, and he knows he's guilty. Right. Another might be that the 81 games are a bargain, And if he had appealed, maybe he would have ended up with worse. And the most interesting one I thought about the behind the scenes possibility is maybe it was 
in exchange for confidentiality. Like, take your your 81 games and we're not going to give those details that we'll never nobody knows, again. right? Uh, I mean, we're not getting a lot of information about the actual incident and what, what's up with the girlfriend. And I even saw conflicting reports on how many kids they had together, if it was one or two. So a lot is being hidden. So who knows? He is um, going to be going under evaluation and treatment with the Major League Baseball Joint Policy Board system. And there was a lot of press about how he's making a contribution to a New York nonprofit, which is called Sanctuary for Families, and it aids victims of domestic violence. But, you know, there, there's a lot of money throwing around. You know what I don't would be know. awesome? What would be awesome is if the salary that is that he doesn't get mm-hmm. goes there. So, you know, the Yankees are still out that money, but they're using that power for good. I'm thinking time. I'm thinking mm-hmm. the time that he's out, he should be spending at someplace and doing some sort of appropriate volunteering. I can see that maybe like personal contact, but he should be using his own time to be actually witnessing and learning about what victims of domestic violence are experiencing. I like it. I think MLB needs to call you, possibly us, and we can be advisors because we have some good ideas of how to make this really stick and be effective. What about the rest of his team? (laughs) So... If you remember, the Yankees won 103 games last year, which is pretty freaking good. Also, yeah. last Ouch. year, they set the record for the most injured players in one season. So what the actual hell would their record have been had they all been healthy? Well, the Yankees would like to find that out. They are trying to bring their their training and um conditioning and strength training that all that program into say the current decade or even the last decade depending on how you count decades because they've been doing it old school and that didn't work for them a lot of people got clearly right so they've hired eric cressy who's a performance coach to oversee their strength and conditioning departments he's actually pretty famous he works for a lot of ball players right now Uh, max scherzer Corey kluber for instance are current clients His deal is he runs these departments for the Yankees and also gets to keep his consulting biz because he's no dummy. Well, and if he had anything to do with Scherzer's comeback in the World Series when like one day he couldn't move his head, like that's that's impressive. So his job is to sort of modernize the departments. He's going to hire a lot of new staff. They actually Yankees actually fired their strength coach in December. And I think that's the only staff person they actually got rid of, but they're sort of moving other people around, I think, to possibly be less dangerous. So I have fear. I am afeard of what the Yankees are gonna do when they actually take what I think are really positive steps in general to prevent injury. Good Anya, but to increase their wins from 103 to, I don't know, infinity. Although although my little PS to that is I almost think that some of those replacements were better than the guys that they replaced. And maybe some maybe. of those injuries actually helped the Yankees in the long run. I mean, Rochella would have never gotten that much play. So I don't know. Go figure. But we'll find out. We'll see. Stay tuned. Um, Injuries. How to avoid injuries. Rule number one, do not have an altercation with a wild boar like Ioannis Cespedes did. And I I was looking back in our show notes because I know that we talked about when he was injured on his ranch and fell in a hole. And I couldn't find where and what episode we talked about. But he it was during the season. 
And he had multiple fractures in his right ankle because he had an accident on his ranch in uh, in the Dominican Republic. Is that right? I didn't even look that up. It might be. But wait, are you saying this was months ago? Because uh, the news, I just saw the, I just saw the news right, like, this right. week. So well, what the hell? What's going on? Because they figured Time warp. What? <laughs> they figured out why he fell in the hole. And I guess where his ranch is, wild boars are a problem. And he literally had wild boar traps on the ranch. And he let a wild boar out of the trap. And apparently, maybe the wild boar wasn't happy about being in the trap or there was something that went wrong when he was letting it out. How do you get inside the mind of a wild boar? I just don't know. Don't know. But the wild boar either lunged at him or surprised him or something. And he fell in a hole that happened to be there and twisted his uh, ankle and and fractured it. Um, And he's paying for this because it's a contract violation. And he's he's not wild boars specifically are a contract violation. So that must be in the fine print. That's going to be a Boris amendment. I'm sure he puts that in there. Boris (laughs) amendment. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, God, I get a drink to that. That's really actually funny. I'll pour you some more of this mess when you're done. Wait, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll chug after this one. Um, So now he's at the point, though, where he can make some of that money back if he plays better. It's kind of like a pay-to-play thing. So he actually gets a big bonus if he makes it for opening day. So he's rehabbing. I'm sure he's locking up those boars really well, and we'll see what happens to get Suspidi's back with the Mets. Oh, I start the boyfriends. Hi, everybody. We have these boyfriends. Every episode, (laughs) we pick a couple. Pause for dramatic effect. (laughs) Pause for the beer to settle down. Um, In the offseason, we look all over the league. Every team, we each pick a guy that's super special for some reason. Being cool on the field, always for Patty, sometimes for me, but also something quirky, something that that draws us to these people. And we do these little profiles. And uh, we started with the teams with the worst record. We're working our way up. And this week we have a team that is definitely working their way up. I think both of us, when we were doing our research, are super impressed with the White Sox. And we are ready to get our tickets to see them at Camden Yard when they come into town. I also knew I needed some outfielders. So the first thing I did was look at the White Sox outfield. And I saw a bunch of names that I didn't know. Actually, I saw a name that I already picked, so I couldn't use him, Mancada. So I went next to him, and there's Luis Robert. I didn't say that right. Robert. That's right. Robert. Robert. So, and that, I just rolled an R. You did. Holy crap, I'll never do it again. Okay. All right. Well, we, you've got to talk oh, about it's Luis recorded. Yay. <laughs> And th- there were conflicting um, printed reports of how to pronounce his name. I saw Robert, which is what I went first. And then I actually found uh, an interview with him where they were like, all right, you got this signing. How do we say your name? And he said, Robert. And and the T is like super soft at the end. Like you could kind of hear it when he said it. I don't think I did it really well. But he's 22 years old, center fielder. And that center field is his because he is all over the place running. He's got the speed. He's got the bat. And I'm super excited to see him play. He is this year's Eloy Jimenez, which was the rookie last year who got to open. And that's why you had your eye out on him. And we'll hear more of that soon. But he actually started from the beginning. He didn't have to deal with that service time. And that, it seems, what's is what gonna, what's going to happen with Robert. Um, he signed just yesterday 
signed an extension. So he had been picked up from the White Sox from the beginning. He is from Cuba. So despite what MLB said in their article, he was not picked up directly from Cuba. He must have gone because somewhere else. Because you're not allowed else. to be picked up directly from Cuba, yeah, right? Yeah, despite what we tried to, or the, the league tried to do this past year. Anyway, it's all just a fucking mess. And we'll talk more about Cuba later. But he must have gone somewhere else. I'm thinking he went to the Dominican Republic because there is talk about him or there was some press about him being in the Dominican Republic Summer League after playing in the Cuban National League. He played in the Cuban National League, I think, from 2013 to 15. The guy's 22 years old. So he was now. So he was a young kid then playing with older players. And he actually talked about how he learned from those pitchers because they're older, experienced pitchers. You know, not a lot of Cubans stay in Cuba, can't come here. So there's a lot of older developed players with good breaking balls, good placement pitches. And then he defected apparently in uh, 2016 to the Dominican Republic, I think, and I think with his uncle because his uncle was with him there. So I'm not totally clear if the uncle went first or if they went together, but they were in the DR together where he was in the summer league with a lot of young, fast, international, especially Dominican pitchers. So it was a whole nother style of pitch to get used to. So maybe that explains why he's such a good batter. So he was signed in 2017 with the White Sox as an international free agent. And he, uh, through three seasons, played all levels, AAA, AAA. And his average over those three years was 312, despite losing a lot of time in 2018 for a thumb injury. 2019 was absolutely his breakout year. And USA Today has a Minor League Player of the Year award. And he got it because he made a 30-30 season. Yay! That is 30 home runs and 30 steals, as you have told me. But he actually did 36 steals. And that's the fourth time in the minors that somebody's had a 30-30 season. That's it? Which, yeah, which is something that, I mean, I don't know if it's because the good ones move up or or what. But... um, the, by the way, the USA Today Award, which I was like, kind of like, I haven't heard of this. USA Today, really? But the previous years, last year was Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's my Toronto Blue Jays boyfriend. The year before was Ronald Acuna, your Braves boyfriend. And uh, and Acuna also is actually Robert's favorite player. So if oh, you're looking well, up to Acuna... Excellent taste. Yeah. I appreciate that. And Robert was also number three for the MLB Pipeline Prospects. Another super cool thing about him is when he was in AA in the White Sox system in Birmingham, he was managed by your forever boyfriend and someone who I'm totally falling in love with is Omar Vizquel. I love Omar. He's so cool. He's great. And I loved the reading about his attitude with his players because he was sort of like you know the minor league is for developing their talent so I just let him go he had no restrictions you want to steal you steal and I guess they had like the highest caught stealing rate as a team but it's but they took some risks yeah totally taking risks trusting, trusting your players and, and encouraging them to stretch he stretched he hit a 480 foot home run over the scoreboard he made the futures game and this year, he's going to be there. He says he's 100% sure he will be in for opening day. And he's going into the arms of two other Cuban players, uh, Jose Abreu and Joan Mancada, my previous White Sox boyfriend. And they have given him a nickname, which is the Panther, La Pantera. Oh, nice. And they just said it basically because they were just joking around. And I guess Black Panther was big at the time. And they are like, here's another superhero we got. But also that he's sleek, he's fast, he's strong. He's our Panther. So... I'm going with this guy for my White Sox pick. 
I decided to go with last year's Eloy Jimenez, and I actually <laughs> picked Eloy Jimenez as my White Sox boyfriend. He's 23 now, plays left field. His nickname is The Big Baby. And I think Aww. it's because he's it just seems relaxed all the time and all smiles. It's not the big baby, whiny baby, but the happy, big, jovial sort of baby. He is from the Dominican Republic and was signed by the Cubs as an international free agent in 2013. The Cubs is his was his dream team. Because I, apparently the Cubs are huge for a lot of Dominican fans. They've got a relationship uh. with the Chicago Cubs. And, uh, you know, as a kid, he's not much more than a kid now, always wanted to play with the Cubs. So it was a dream come true when he was signed by them. He is famous for putting on shows during batting practice when he was in the minors. He would hit home runs to abandoned buildings that were way out past the left field wall. He would say, now I'm aiming for the lights. And then he would hit the lights. And then they get mad at him for breaking light bulbs. You know, he did this in a way parks and then ran, I think, is how that happened. He went to the White Sox in a 2017 trade package, which was put together for the Cubs to get Jose Quintana. Which was contentious, I think. Yeah, and so Jimenez and a couple of other guys went over from the the Cubs to the White Sox. This actually happened on a day when their minor league affiliates were playing each other. So basically the next day, Eloy Jimenez and these other guys just had to walk across the field to the other dugout. That's got to feel super shitty. He felt terrible because he's leaving the team that was his dream. These were the only people he knew in the United States. Right? He's, yeah, that's super important. One of the things the scouts liked about him was his confidence and his attitude. And they thought, okay, he can come to Chicago. Because you have to think about that. What's the environment you're going to be in? And you're coming from the Dominican Republic. What are the odds that you're going to be able to handle this big city? Chicago sports are huge. I mean, the spotlight's going to be on you. And they saw that he could do that. So, you know, Cubs drafted him, uh, signed him as a free agent. And so he's. He's got that confidence, but he was really kind of all in for the Cubs. And all of a sudden, he's on the White Sox. Yeah. He got over it. He got over it pretty quickly. And one of the ways, I think, because he showed that he was over it and had this confidence and this bat, man, this bat that could hit these. They talked about, like, winds coming in from the, from center field and him being able to hit home runs out through center field. And He's even I know Chicago is strong. a windy city. He is freaking strong, right? Okay, so they signed him for a six-year, $43 million contract before he had any service time. Okay, so this is kind of like broke open a mold that then, right. then that, that your guy, Robert? Robert. 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 Mm-hmm. Just have a very similar contract sign. So he has $11 million his first three years, plus that includes a signing bonus, plus two club options, which would max out if everything falls into place at $75 million. And one thing that is really telling is when he signed this contract, he said, My family and I are very happy. This ensures our future. So he's thinking about pulling his family up, right? And taking care of them. It's not. Mm-hmm. I get a nice car now. It's my whole family is benefiting from this contract. Yes, I'm doing this right now. And his goal is to bring championships, but also to bring joy to the fan base because he's always got a damn smile on his face, right? He loves playing the game. So he absolutely checks off that box on the boyfriend list. He, you can tell he loves playing baseball. He debuted opening day of 2019. He sprained his ankle in April and he missed a whole month from mid-April to mid-May, and still managed to hit 31 home runs 
during the season, which was the most by an American League rookie. It wasn't anywhere near Pete's right. National League, but it was the most by the American an American League rookie and finished with an 828 OPS. He also hit the two longest home runs by the White Sox last season. They were monsters. As a rookie, that's amazing. Yeah, because he's this big, strong baby, I guess. But his September... Okay, so he was out for a month earlier in the season. Then he was out again in July for maybe 10 days for another injury. He hit his stride at the end of the season. His September, he was um, the the player of the month. He hit 349 home runs and had a 1.093 OPS. That is humongous in September. He was my pick for AL Rookie of the Year for last year, which he didn't get, but he was fourth in Rookie of the Year voting. His mentor is the aforementioned Jose Breu, um, and who he said helps him helped him adjust to the big leagues, kind of took him under his wing, and not so much playing time, but mentally. Like, you don't need to prove yourself. Everybody already knows who you are. Just go out there and do your thing. You've got this. Especially this year. He's, he's, yeah, that's good. So, you know, American League has that crazy little DH thing oh, going here we go for again. it. Well, I'm just quoting Mr. Jimenez right. himself, who, you know, they've been talking about maybe moving him from the outfield to DH. And he's like, I don't want a DH because, quote, for me, it's boring. Maybe when I'm 37. So I am so in favor of doing nice things for 37-year-olds. I'm yeah. good. I'm totally good yeah. with that. But it's born for the young ones. All How right. about those giants? That's all right. The this giants. is going to be shocking. This is going to be shocking for our listeners to hear who Potty Mouth picked. If anybody knows me at all, you know that I am Red Sox born and bred. And I had to go with Mike Yastrzemski. Also, if you go back to episode 101, you're going to hear exactly what I'm about to tell you, plus a little bit more. So check that out. He is 29 years old and a right fielder. And he is my second week with a tw- 29-year-old rookie. Last week, I talked about Austin Nola, who's a, who is a remarkable 29-year-old rookie, because this is a, a rare thing. This and is not basically, common, yeah. You know, the, the Orioles really fucked up is my attitude. What were they doing? And I said this when I talked about him before. It's not like they've been cruising these past seven years. They made years. him into an excellent player, so stop knocking him. All right. They developed him into what he is today, which is Thank your you. Giants boyfriend. So back the heck off the O's. Thank you they very much, you. Orioles. I know. They don't need any <laughs> shit. They totally don't need any shit. But I, I do appreciate it. He could have gone to the Red Sox. He was actually drafted by the Red Sox in 2009. But well, he what the hell did the Red Sox do? Well, he turned them down because he wanted to go to college, which Yay. is a good choice. Yay, and that is a good choice. And then after college, he went to the O's and languished there for all those years. Before- no, he developed there. <laughs> all right, all right. Yes, he developed there. Jesus, Thank a you. lot of hard work Thank today. You, Orioles. <laughs> Before <better>. <laughs> all that, he grew up in Andover, Massachusetts, which is the, the town right next to where my dad lives. So I had to. I have no choice here. He went to J- St. John's Prep. I talked about how before I dated a guy was from St. John's Prep, there was a prom date, involved, there was a prom yeah, date okay. involved. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't realize, though, that his father died after his first week of high school. Oh. Yeah, I had known that it was early and that his grandfather was really instrumental in helping him train through high school. So uh, things have not always been easy for him. And actually, that was something that I saw a lot of people say that, especially with all these years with the Orioles, that you would think that his name alone would have helped him. But apparently it did not. He was traded last year to the Giants, and he spent 40 games in their minors before he came up. What were they doing? 40 games in the minors? What the hell? That's not a lot, a lot. No, I know. I'm teasing. This is me teasing. 
And then he's up in May. But you know what? Okay, here's the revenge. All right. His first home run was against the Orioles. Sure it was. In Camden Yards. Everybody's home runs were against the Orioles last year. <laughs> Come on now. True. But And then he also <laughs> homered in Fenway. He he was part of the Giants beating the, the Red Sox. And that was the whole first pitch with his grandfather. And go back to episode two, 101. We haven't gotten that far yet. Um, Soon. I also then talked about how he is the 21st grandfather-grandson combination in Major League ba- Baseball, with Aaron fucking Boone being another one, and he has his grandfather's swing. He had a pretty decent year last year, batted 272, 21 home runs, 55 runs batted in. So I think he's a good bet for next year. And to quote his grandfather, his grandfather said, honestly, he handled himself a lot better than I did my rookie year. I had the pressure of replacing Ted Williams. He had the pressure of his name. Wow. Wow. I'm a big S fan. I really am. I I hope he does extremely well. If you remember, my very first Giants boyfriend was Buster Posey, because what's not to love about Buster Posey? He's got a rule and everything. He's got his own rule. And, you know, there was the whole Bryce Harper thing for which I love him. There are many reasons to love Buster Posey. So who did I pick? With the help of friend of the show, Deborah, thank you for giving me a couple of ideas about Giants boyfriends. Joey Bart, 23, catcher, who has been anointed the next Buster Posey. Isn't the San Francisco public transport the Bart? It is. That's how you know he's in the right place. Points That's for the potty mouth. Right. Very nicely done. He was drafted by the Giants in the first round in 2018. He was the second overall draft pick that year. That's a big deal. Here's some comparisons with Buster Posey. They were both born in Georgia. They both received the Johnny Bench Award for Best Collegiate Catcher. They were both drafted in the top five picks in their draft years, and they both received record-setting draft bonuses. Um, Joey Bartz was in the $7 million range. That was just a bonus for signing, right? The thing I liked about him is how well-grounded he is. He understands his privilege, both in his upbringing and his skill level, and he seems to take things very seriously and tries to use his powers for good. And so these are all things that I am impressed with because it would be very easy for him to be a jerk. Is it easier for catchers to be grounded because they're Cause closer, they're so much to, the closer to the ground? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. I'm sure, but they just can't get up from there. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Okay, so he started, he was a starting catcher for his high school, Buford High School in Georgia, as a freshman. Yeah, so starting, that's pretty good. So he's been in that crouch close to the ground for many years. The interesting thing about that is he was allowed to call his own game. He could call the pitches in high school. The coach said, yeah, I gave him the keys to the car. He would come back to the dugout and say, you know, here's how I think we should pitch this guy. And he said it enough times and was right enough times that we just let him do it. He went from Buford High School to Georgia Tech, which is the place where Jason Veritek and Matt Wieters both went. So these are some all-star catchers, big names, quality catchers. So this is a school for catchers. His, and they let him call his own game there, too. And the things I read said, oh, yeah, no, that's uncommon in college. Like, how uncommon is it is in high school if they're saying in college it's really mm-hmm. uncommon for a catcher to be able to call his own game? Especially a young one, yeah. So he's had the brains and the leadership to be able to basically run games from, for years, and he's only 23 right now. The coach at Georgia Tech, Danny Hall, 
has known him since he was 12 because his son, the coach's son, Carter, played on the same teams with Joey Bart. So he's been watching him for a long time. So he knew what he was getting when, when, when they brought him in. So Matt Wieters lives in Atlanta and works out with the Georgia Tech team in the offseason. So Joey Bart got to build this relationship with this all-star catcher and has learned a lot from him. And one of the things that he said was most important was Wieters has been a catcher for a very long time. I want to be a catcher for a very long time. How do you condition yourself? How do you develop your body in such a way that this crouch, this squat that you're in for as a catcher, doesn't basically kill you, right? So you're strong enough. So he's learned all kinds of things, and that's a very important thing that he's learned from Matt Wieters. When he was in high school, everyone said, oh, my God, oh, my God, where are you going to go to college? Are you going to be drafted? Oh, my God. And he kept saying, I, I play here now. I'm focused on this. When he was in college, everyone's talking about, the MLB draft. Right. Where are you going to go? You're going to be drafted so high. It's like, I play here now. I'm focused on where I'm at, right? So this is two levels at which he's been really paying attention to. No, no, this is where I play. So now he's, you know, drafted by the Giants. He played in their affiliate in the Willamette Valley, right, in Oregon. And they've named a tree for him, a very specific tree. Can I tell you why? This tree is outside the left field fence for the Salem-Kaiser Volcanoes. It's like 60 or 70 feet tall. It's between the ballpark and the highway. And Joey Bart hit a home run into the frickin' tree. And it got stuck in the tree? Out of the ballpark, into the tree. They didn't actually say where the ball ended up, but the guy who calls, the, 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 the announcer for that minor league team said it was like the wrath of God, the violence at which the ball hit this tree. The shaking tree, the trembling shaking leaves. tree, right? And so um, uh, Joey Bart's reaction was, yeah, that was a good swing. I remember it going somewhere up there. If I would have kept watching it, I might have gotten plunked my next at bat. So I put my head down and started running. And that's what your coach wants to hear. That's true. So he's trying to focus his attention at being a better teammate and a leader, right? Not the asshole who's got all the money and the privilege and all this, but he wants to be part of the team and he wants to help do what he can to help the team. So his short season teammates call him their agent because he's always slipping them equipment. That's cute. Batting gloves. One quote I saw said there's more than one player who's not Joey Bart swinging Joey Bart bats. So he's he's helping. He's helping at the level at which he can have some effect. He says, the only thing I can control is how hard I work and how I treat other people. I'm all for that. He spent all last season, well, split between um, A, Advanced San Jose, and AA Richmond. He skipped over a level. And the only bad thing about skipping over a level from that short season team in Willamette was that the team in between is near Atlanta and his parents could have seen him play more. So he's sad about that, but not not sad about the, you know, escalating his, you know, his progress. He's very likely to start in AAA in the new season and probably come up mid-season to to the to major leagues. It's going to depend on how Buster Posey is feeling. But even now they're saying, okay, don't you want to get there? Don't you want to get there? Don't you want to like replace Buster? And he says, I try to stay where my feet are. So he's been constant and mature. This is totally a good pick for you. Yeah, he seems like my kind of guy, doesn't he? Yep. Quick baseball spotlight on a young woman, Jasmine Rivera. A tweet came up recently showing that she is the first Hispanic female to be playing baseball in college in the United States. And once again, we go, we celebrate the first. And then, though, is this a good thing to be doing? Because why? Just how how can this be the first? This is what year is it? 2020. Right. To be clear, it should have happened a long time ago. We're all for it. Right. But it should have happened a long time ago. So she's playing D1 baseball. Which is super 
impressive. Yeah, it is. At Truman College. And beyond that, she also plays women's basketball. So she's an all-around athlete who came up from baseball for all. So that is an important program that everybody out there should support. Go to Baseball for All. They're on all the social media and send them some money because they get women playing baseball. She pitches and she is a switch hitter. And there are... uh, I think Twitter posts about her switch hitting. She pitched for Puerto Rico. She's Puerto Rican in descent, although grew up in Chicago. And she already played in the World Club Cup classifier that we talked about before the Pan American Games in Mexico last August. And she is already planning to play this year for Puerto Rico in the Women's Baseball World Cup in September. So we salute Jasmine Rivera and we look forward to reporting on more young women exactly like this. Pretty soon, we're going to be talking about young women in baseball's wins above replacement. So we want to make sure you understand what wins above replacement means. I am so glad you're doing this. Are you? Do Mm -hmm. you you have a... a... I I know the concept, but the numbers just befuddle me. Like, I know what it means. All right. So there's a couple of different ways to look at it. But the important thing, the, the, the reason it's meaningful is it's an estimate of the value to date of a player's Value, you know, to their team, like how important are they to the team? But it's context neutral. It doesn't matter what year they played in or what park they played in or what position they played because the math accounts for those things. That sounds like some seriously complicated math. There's a lot of math, but the idea is actually more straightforward than that. Mm -hmm. There are a couple different versions of this. The two most popular ones And this is basically what the equation is or what's included in how you rate different skills. There's the one from fan graphs. So if you see F war, that means they're using the calculation that fan graphs would use. If you see B war or R war, can you believe there's two abbreviations that both mean this is the formula that baseball reference uses? They couldn't just decide on one. (laughs) They couldn't. They couldn't. So basically... They've defined average the same way in both of these different uh, equations, but how they value different things is a little bit different. Can Do you have an idea why they use replacement versus average? Like wins over replacement versus wins over average? I, I just feel like it makes more sense. It's sort of like how much more valuable valuable are you than the average guy well I guess an average see, well right? then then how you would be replaced I don't know tell me <laughs> yeah see I know I start talking about that way too like, of course yeah. because but wait a minute but but average in the major leagues is really good mm-hmm. and that's not who would replace you if you're Anthony Rend oh Harry, let's do if you're Trey Turner and you get your your fingers broken when you're hit by a pitch okay. who replaces you a guy from triple a Oh. That's who they call up. They, they so that's the number that they're using. So basically, they consider okay. their their AAA players, their minor league players, oh, sort of no clue. as sort of free because they're all going to get the same minor league that the major league minimum pay when they come up. So that's a constant. So free still equals half a million dollars, but it but it's here is the pool from which you draw to replace that player who got hurt. So there's a monetary connection to like what sort you would of. pay the person. Well, sort of, I did, because the minor leagues are sort of. It's like an basically an unending supply. Where at least it has been an un- unending supply. But these are the guys you draw from. Mm-hmm. If someone breaks their finger, you don't. You probably don't make a trade for another right. player in the majors. It's temporary. You call somebody up. Mm-hmm. So these are your replacement guys. Okay. So the replacement guys aren't bad. They're just not at major league level yet because they haven't had that major league experience. 
If you use average, you're somewhere in the middle. There's no basement, but the basement is triple A if you use that as replacement rather than average. You don't go lower okay. than that. You're going to pay them half a million dollars, and here's their basic skill level, and they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine, right? The replacement team, if there was a team made up of only these replacement players playing in the majors, this is a lot of math, but it ends up with they'd probably win about 48 games. Okay. Is that better than the Orioles? It's better than everybody but the Tigers this past year. Okay. I mean, I'm sorry. It's worse than everybody but the Tigers. So the Tigers are the only team, major league team that was below. Right. That was worse. Below replacement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but thanks. Thanks for that. Okay. One more, one more cut for the Orioles. That's okay. <laughs> I don't mind that. But Detroit won 47 games last season. So a team made up of replacement players would have done better than the Detroit Tigers this past year. But I'm sure that's going to change. Here's where there's some fun math. If you take those 48 games times 30 teams, right, mm-hmm. there are 1,440 wins, all right? There are 2,430 games in a major league season. So that that minus the 1,440 gives you about 1,000 wins. Those 1,000 wins are considered above replacement because those are the extra wins by people who are better than the replacement players. That 1,000, this was a fun fact for me that makes a lot of sense once it was told to me. That 1,000 is divided up basically among the players. So if I'm a six... Among the 40-man roster? Among the 25? Among all major league players. Oh, wow. Among all major league players. So here's how you determine the war of a position player. I'm not even going to go with pitchers because that's just way too much. But basically you take their level, their, their, their success in batting, Plus, there is success in base running. All of these things have their own equations. Which sounds so complicated. But it's basically, here's your success for batting. Here's your success as a base runner. Here's your defensive success. Mm -hmm. Plus, adjustments for your position and your league, right? Because shortstops are going to have different expectations, say, than a catcher would, or than a first baseman would, or than an outfielder would. So they... They adjust for that. So you you end up comparing apples to apples. You add all, all that up together and you divide it by what's considered runs per win, which is usually about 10. Don't even ask me for details. Just okay. it's It varies a little bit year for year, but it's always around 10. The important thing to remember, bottom line, is you determine how good, to, to figure out how good a player is. Your average, here's your average, major league player is about at a 2 when it wins above replacement. So you want more than two. So yeah, two is average. So it's okay. pretty good. But all-stars are usually around four or five, and your um, MVPs are about six or more. Okay. Right? So that's kind of how, where that goes. And another fun fact, another math fact. So it's not even a fun fact. This is actual math. If you add up the war of each player on a team, and you add the 48, which is the replacement number, you should get approximately the number of wins that team had that season. It's not. It's a way of checking your math. You can check your math. It's, it's not going to be exact every year, but over time, it should pretty much hit that number. Math is freaking amazing, and I just taught you some. And I totally learned more of the concept. You look really but confident I'm, about I, your use of I war. Feel, I know how to compare things to the number two, so I am good to go. The important thing about this is it gives you a way to evaluate players Against each other, no matter mm-hmm. what position they play, no matter who they play Where for or the when lineup. they play. Yeah. Yep, that's how it's consistent. All right. Good going. 
I have been seeing too many people complaining on Twitter about not watching baseball. But dudes, get out there. Winter baseball is happening. Catch it while you can. The playoffs are ending soon. So I'm here to tell you how long you have to watch winter baseball before you're into spring training. Uh, In Cuba, the playoffs are ending super soon on January 8th. In Dominican Republic, it's on the 15th, as well as Nicaragua. The 27th, and this is all of this month, January, they're they're ending in Puerto Rico. And on the End in the on the end of January, the end of January, the thirtieth. The uh, the Pacific League in Mexico is ending. Venezuela is in there somewhere. I couldn't quite figure out. Their semifinals are around the twentieth. So. Go figure. But also, Panama might be ending before you hear this, because we're recording on Sunday. You guys are maybe hearing this on Tuesday or after. The the Panama has a playoff going, their finals. The team I picked, the Astronautas de Chiriqui, are uh, playing against the Federales de Chiriqui, so I feel like I have to go visit Chiriqui because they have these they two teams. They are a hotbed of baseball, totally. apparently, yeah. They, the, my astronautas that I picked, because I love that name, <laughs> are winning two games to one in a three-game series. So it might be decided by now. Maybe they're the winners. Maybe they're my first team going to the Caribbean series that I can root for. So this is all about building up to the Caribbean series, which is happening the first week of February. So there's more baseball to watch then. Uh, I was trying to keep track of our boyfriends and what they're doing in the offseason. So most of my teams were picked because there was some boyfriend connection. I totally missed that my O's boyfriend from last year, Jonathan Villar, is connected to the Aguilas Sibenos. I actually got pissed at myself for mispronouncing that last week. Aguila is the eagle. Aguilas Sibenas in the Dominican Republic. So he's not actually playing. He's on their reserve. But he might not be playing. I think he's on vacation, right? Because he's on vacation. He is on vacation. So I guess that is reserve, like being on vacation, (laughs) calling in from a distance. From the beach. But he, yeah, yeah, I think that's what's happening. But he and two other players from that team were recently fined and reprimanded for tweeting against umpires. Basically, Ooh. after a game, talking about trash-talking umpires on social media. That's probably not in charge. good taste. Yeah, and, and not a good, according to the Dominican Baseball League. The are other, there rules? There, are, there appear to be rules. And Ooh. the other two guys had to like sit down in the nasty meeting and get like called out to their face. And VR, because he's away, he cannot be called up as a reserve until he sits down in his disciplinary meeting. So maybe he will just stay on vacation. So the the biggest news in this winter baseball thing, the aforementioned Caribbean series, which is going to be with Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Panama, Mexico. That's five teams. They're supposed to be six. Cuba Cuba, being the sixth. Exactly. Uh Uh Uh-oh. It it looks like as of today that they are most likely not going. What the Confederation of Professional Baseball of the Caribbean said in their official letter was that they cannot guarantee their presence. And they were very clear that this is not the fault of Cuba as a government, as players, as a team. It's not Cuba's fault. It's the fault of the visa. So what's the visa deal? Well, the tournament's being held in Puerto Rico, which is a United States... Colony. Right. Yeah, that's the word. But United States laws fit. And basically, our immigration is totally fucked right now. Like, you can't get visas within any reasonable time for anything. But seriously, this is an international baseball competition. The last time Cuba won was was in 2015. 
in Puerto Rico. Oh, see, that's why they can't come because, you know. That was that administration. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So this administration is putting down the foot. So, like, to find out now, can you imagine, like, you're playing your whole season to build also, up to being able to go to this international competition? It feels like the administration decides that Puerto Rico is actually part of the country when it suits them. Right. And so I feel this is very shady. This is. I'm pretty pissed off about it. So who's going to go instead? So Columbia got the welcome letter, which totally threw me by the blind side. I don't know if you listeners remember last week is when I realized that I forgot to put Columbia in my winter league updates. When you apologize to the entire country of Columbia? I am really sorry, Columbia. But what this does to me now is, well, I mean, my Cuban team wasn't going anyway. So I kind of feel a little bit guilty about that because that is the one team that I picked that had been eliminated. But now I don't have a team for Columbia. So I want you to help me pick a team. They're they're in. So we're going to do it in the potty mouth fashion, which means I'm going to tell you their mascots or their names. And you're going to tell me which one is coolest. So this is how I pick horses when I go to horse. Like, like the colors the jockey's wearing or by the names. It's kind of the same thing. Right. So we're going to choose between the caimanes, which is the alligators, the gigantes, the giants, the vaqueros, which is the cowboys, no. and the toros, which is the bulls. Toros. I want bulls. I want bulls. Wait, wait. Toros. Yeah. Toros. toros. I can't roll the freaking. Yeah, it's not too rolled because it's a single R, but it's okay, got a toros, little bit. Toros. Toros. Yeah. toros. Right. I want the bulls. I'm a Taurus. I want the bulls. And there's a little throwback to um, that cheerleading movie. Right. Bring it on. There's the Toros. There, El Toro. That's it. All right. All right, you heard it here. So in the show notes, we're going to again put the link to our Winter League uh, summary because I have updated it. I have included some stuff on Columbia. I put a couple other links in. If you want to know more about Winter Baseball and how to catch it fast, go to our show notes, find the link, and now we can root for the Toros go from toros. Colombia. Wait, how do I say go Toros? Vamos Toros. Vamos, vamos, vamos toros. toros. All right, now I'm all in. I got to pick, so now I feel invested. Yep. I feel invested. Hey, for this next week, we've got to do some more research on boyfriends. We are solidly in the middle third of the boyfriend picks, and for next week, it will be the Angels and the Phillies. Hmm. Who's going to pick Bryce Harper? Not me. Not me. Sorry, Bryce. Well, we've narrowed that down already. What are you going to do? Oh, wait a minute. You've got some numbers. You've got math for us. Important math. I'm looking. I'm quickly opening my phone because we have a spring training countdown. Folks, this isn't so bad. Watch some winter baseball, and then... Including that time, you only have 37 days, 6 hours, 31 minutes, and 51 seconds from the time of recording until spring training pitchers and catchers report. We can do this. Please, in the meantime, find us on social media. Potty Mouth will tell you where. You can find us at NCIB. Wait, NCIB, NCIB Podcast. I have not fucked this up in a long time. NCIB Podcast. time for yes, this. Yes, let's do. <laughs> NCIB Podcast on Twitter. No Crying in B-Ball on Facebook and Instagram. And on the web at nocryinginbball.com. Please listen to some back episodes. Tell your friends about us. Leave us a rating or review if you can. And until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth.